Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beaters Sportscast. I'm James Farley, alongside my co-host, Perry Martinos. We can't wait to get going right into a fantastic episode, and it's coming your guys' way right now. Let's get right into it now, then. Perry, take it away. Thanks, James. So, um, the Baseball Hall of Fame voting came out yesterday. No one was elected. Um, a lot of experts found this not surprising based on, you know, Kurt Schilling's off-the-field issues, um, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, um, PED usage. But, Farrells, how did, why did Schilling not get in? Well, I mean, first of all, I think we have to recognize that Kurt Schilling, of all of the votes, was the closest of any of the possible nominees. Yeah, none of the candidates even got in at all. Kurt Schilling was, as I said, closest with 16 votes away from the required 75% of the vote to reach it. And Perry, I mean, this is insane. I think it's this is the first time since 1960 that there hasn't been a single player inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I mean, this morning, I couldn't believe it when I heard this news. So, I mean, why Kurt Schilling didn't get in, first of all, I'm not entirely sure if he's completely deserving of a Hall of Fame spot. I mean, while he had a great career and all, I think that there are other players on this list much more deserving than Kurt Schilling, such as, you know, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa. Despite the usage of PEDs, I think that there are multiple players ranked above, in my opinion, that deserve a Hall of Fame selection more so than Kurt Schilling. So I think that's probably the number one priority as to why he didn't get in. Second, yes, he's sort of a head case, you know, quite opinionated, so I'm sure that that played a factor as well. But I mean, I think that I'm just not sure if he's completely 100% deserving as an overall player to make it in. Yeah, so he would be the first player. Um, he would be the second player ever to cross the 70% threshold and not get inducted. The other one is Jim Bunning. Jim Bunning is in the Hall of Fame, though, because he was later inducted by the Veterans Committee. Um I think if Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens didn't use PEDs, they would be a shoe-in. Uh, Bonds had seven MVPs, Clemens had seven Cy Youngs. But really, I think the reason why Schilling is not in the Hall of Fame, three teams to the World Series. Um, he only had six All-Star nods, though, in his 22 years of um, playing professional baseball. But I think the thing... I think it's the off-the-field issues. I think a lot of voters believe that there's a certain amount of integrity that you should have if you're in the Hall of Fame. You should have a certain off-the-field demeanor, off-the-field behavior. And with there were a couple Hall of Famers, I believe. I think there was a survey that said that only 68% of Hall of Famers um, polled would have voted for Schilling. So that would have been under the 75% threshold. But I think it's really about the off-the-field issues for Schilling. I think that if he you know, hadn't posted those remarks on Twitter um, that he's been doing for a while now, he would be in the Hall of Fame, and he probably would have been in a little bit of... Yeah, those are all definitely factors that come into play in the decision to keep Kurt Schilling out of the Hall of Fame, which I agree with you on that, Perry. Also, I think that Kurt Schilling is not helping his cause whatsoever, and obviously, I guess he now doesn't even want to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in, at all. He was saying that I am removing myself from the list of possible nominees to be elected into the Hall of Fame. That being said, the BBWAA, these are the people that vote and induct the players into the Hall of Fame. 
said that in no way will Kurt Schilling be removed. That is not his decision to make. So that so that obviously is that's just him speaking and not it's not all reality. And so I think that another topic that has to come of this Hall of Fame is that none that Barry Bonds, as you said earlier, Perry, who has many excuse me many MVP awards as well as um, Roger Clemens with many Cy Young wins. Sammy Sosa was a great player in his time too, despite using the PEDs. And I think that each of these players are still deserving of a Hall of Fame nomination despite the PEDs. I think that they would still be able to play at a high level and Hall of Fame level regardless of the drug usage. What do you think, Perry? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that um, I think that they should be in. I know a lot of people um, have voted for them, but some people believe that Again, it's a certain aspect of integrity and sportsmanship. The fact that you cheated is enough. It's kind of the same thing with Pete Rose. Um, he's the all-time hits leader in MVP, but but he obviously gambled and he gambled on his own team. So that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's banned from baseball completely. But just a quick look ahead next year. There's a couple other PED users, suspected PED users, that are first ballot um, next year. David Ortiz, the great um, Red Sox player, he was suspected of using PEDs. Um, I don't believe that he ever um, admitted to them or if he ever tested positive. But then there's Alex Rodriguez. Um, A-Rod was suspended the entire 2014 season for his use of performance-enhancing drugs. So I think that Ortiz will get in, but I think A-Rod is the more debatable one here. Yeah, I agree, Perry. I think that everything involved with Alex Rodriguez along in his baseball career, I feel like has some sort of controversy along with it, and obviously that comes the Baseball Hall of Fame as well. I think that obviously he wants to make it into the Hall of Fame, and I think that's definitely going to be another case of will PEDs dictate whether or not they get in. It's definitely going to play a major factor in the decision to get to that 75% point, and I think that Big Poppy will definitely make it in. I think that Alex Rodriguez is good enough to get it in. The question is, will the PEDs continue to play a major factor in the decision of will or will, or will not a player make it into the MLB Hall of Fame? Perry, another question that while we're talking about baseball that I was kind of thinking I was debating on my own a little bit, and I was thinking, hey, why not bring it up? Perry, in your opinion right now, I think if we go back and forth and just list at the moment currently, who do you think are the top six MLB players? I have, I mean, the MLB is full of great young talent, great pitching, great hitting, the great fielding. The league is a very talented league. But at the moment, Perry, who do you think is the number one spot as we go back and forth to list our top six? Who do you think is deserving of the number one spot as the best player in baseball right now? So um, these rankings were kind of tough for me. I think if you asked me a year ago, a couple of my players would have been swapped out and swapped in. But regardless, the number one spot won't change for me, and it hasn't changed for anybody in really the last six or seven years, and that player has to be Mike Trout. Um, he's been the greatest player for the last decade. They are tracking his um, wins above replacement stats, and he's oh, – already over so many Hall of Famers of what they accomplished in his career. Um, the only problem with Mike Trout is that he hasn't gotten that postseason experience that some of these other players have. But, you know, baseball is a team sport that's not entirely his fault. 
But I think no matter what way you slice it, Mike Trout has to be number one. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that, Perry. And I, too, have Mike Trout the number one spot in my Major League Baseball top six players rankings. He is hands down the best player in baseball. He can field out there in center field like nobody's business. He can hit the ball a mile. He's electrifying to watch. He's a great player, and he is hands down the best player, in my opinion, in Major League Baseball. And I can't wait to see with this Los Angeles Angels team slowly on the rise. They were able to add Anthony Rendon, that great third baseman who led the Washington Nationals to that World Series victory a couple years ago. Shohei Otani, the pitcher slash hitter who he's electrifying to watch as well. I feel like this team is on has some serious upside, and I think that they have a bright future ahead. So I'm excited to see what their leader, Mike Trout, and the number one player in baseball is going to be able to do. Along with that, at the number two spot, I'm going to have to say Mookie Betts. Now, he w- he led the Boston Red Sox to a World Series title when he was over there, and now he's over in, he's with, in the, in, excuse me, another LA team alongside Mike Trout with the Angels. He's on the Dodgers as he led the Dodgers to yet another championship, and that's his second on his career. This guy is so much fun to watch. He can, he just like Trout, he can hit the ball, he can feel the ball. He's so much fun to watch, always a smile on his face out there in the field, and I have to put him that he at the point of he is the second best player in baseball right now. Yeah, this is another no-brainer for me. Um, he's really a 5-2 player. He can hit, he can hit for power, he can field, he can run. Um, but, you know, the Dodgers team is stacked. They've got big names up and down the roster, and I think that Mookie Betts is the best one out of all of them. Um, he, As you said, he got traded from the Boston Red Sox. He won the MVP the season that the Red Sox won in 2018. He and Mike Trout were competing for MVPs while he was over in the AL, and now he's going to the NL, and he's competing with Christian Yelich, um, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, and his own teammate Cody Ballinger for MVPs over there. And then speaking of Cody Ballinger, he's the guy that I actually have at the number three spot. Um, he's got a smooth swing le- from the left-handed from the um, left-handed batter's position. Um, he's a good fielder. He's improved in that area vastly, and he's been able to hit. He ha- had that great home run robbery of Fernando Tatis in the playoffs. Um, he's lanky. He's tall. He can run if you need him to. But he's ultimately who I have at number three. Interesting, Perry. I do not have Cody Bellinger at the number three spot. Maybe we can have a little back and forth on who we have at this spot. I have Christian Yelich at the number three spot of the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League. This guy is so much fun to watch, just like all of these players on this list, man. It's crazy. He can hit the ball like nobody's business. It's just base hit after base hit after base hit. The man is unstoppable. He can hit any pitch that comes his way, whether that be a fastball right down the plate or off speed, such as changeup, curveball, slider, any of those in the mix. And, I mean, this guy can field phenomenally as well, diving all over the field, making plays for his ball club. And I have him at the number three spot. He, yeah, I just think that he, overall, Perry, I think that he is a better player than Cody Bellinger. Why do you have Cody Bellinger over Christian Yelich? You know, Christian Yelich was awesome for those two seasons, um, 2018 and 2019. He had fantastic seasons. But last year, he wasn't great. 
Um, the Brewers haven't had as much playoff success as the Dodgers. Um, I know Mookie Betts hasn't had. I mean, I knew. Excuse me, Mike Trout hasn't had playoff success, but he's on a different planet than all these guys. But Cody Bellinger has led his team to the playoffs. He's led his team to the World Series a couple times. I even though Christian Yelich might be a better fielder, he hasn't. He's gone hurt the past couple years. Um, he's had a lot of back problems. The Brewers really haven't made much noise in the NL Central in the division. That is pretty weak. Um, he got traded from the Marlins, as you remember, a while ago. But Ballinger and Yelich, you know, were battling for the MVP award in 2019. It was going back and forth, back and forth. And Ballinger won that award. So based on head-to-head, just if you go on that MVP award, which was really Christian Yelich's best season, Ballinger beat him out for that MVP, and that's why I have Ballinger over Yelich. Yeah, but Perry, you said that Yelich had a down year last year, but I feel like you could say that that's just the same case as Cody Bellinger. I think that while Cody, I don't think that Christian Yelich nor Cody Bellinger played quite as well, or I don't know, didn't even live up to the expectations as they, in just from two seasons ago. I think that a major factor is a shortened season, different circumstances. So I think that messes with the player's head, health being the number one priority, obviously as well. But I think that I think that Christian Yelich. I think that they both had down years in their in the major scheme of things. And I think that all in all, I just think that Christian Yelich is a better player because he can hit. If you look at it, home run power wise, I'll give it to Cody Bellinger any day of the week. That being said, Christian Yelich has him in the base hitting depart base hit department by a mile and a half. As well as that fielding, it's not even a competition. Bellinger, you can stick him out there if you have to, but Christian Yelich is he's just incredible and he does the big things and he's extremely reliable compare Cody Bellinger compared to Christian Yelich in the field is a liability and and I think that that's a major aspect of why I have Christian Yelich over Cody Bellinger another reason for that is because fielding that's about that's almost half of baseball because for these guys Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger half their game is fielding and half their game is hitting and Christian Yelich is so much better of a fielder than Cody Bellinger. That's a major factor because in the hitting department, you can split it right down Broadway. You can have Bellinger on the home run hitting side of things, but you can have Yelich on the base hit side of things. And with Yelich having being a better base hit kind of hitter and then being a better fielder by a mile, far outweighs Cody Bellinger as a home run hitter. And while he's a great hitter and he's a pretty solid fielder as well, Christian Yelich is by far better, in my opinion, than Cody Bellinger. Yeah, well, I think we'll, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. But moving on to spot number four, um, I have the guy that you just argued on his behalf. I have Christian yeah, so Yelich at number four. So do I. I have yeah. Cody at four. So I think it's vice versa. But I think that it's definitely interesting to see where our – Opinions contrast on that one. Both of us had pretty solid background opinions for that. And I think that, in my opinion, I think it has to go Yelich-Bellinger. I can see where you're coming from with Bellinger-Yelich. But, I mean, I think that this season is going to play a major factor in this argument over who's going to be a better player in the MLB as a whole. All right, at the number five spot, who do you have, Perry? So at number five, um, I was debating a couple of people. I think if you asked me last year, 
um, this spot would have been different. But, you know, I think that ultimately a pitcher is in the top six. And the best pitcher in the league, in my opinion, is Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. So he's who I have at the number five spot. He had a great season for the Astros two years ago. He had a okay season for the Yankees last year. But people forgot about Cole's season last year because the um, other Yankees players just weren't that good. Um, Yankees pitchers, excuse me. Tanaka wasn't really that great. Hap wasn't that good. But that kind of underscored Garrett Cole's greatness. I mean, he was awesome in 2019 with the Houston Astros. Um, there was a stretch, I, I believe, over like two or three months where he didn't lose one game. Um, and he was great with the Yankees after signing that contract. And I have him as the best pitcher in baseball. And I have him as the number five player in baseball. Interesting take there, Perry. I agree that you definitely have to have a pitcher in the top six. And we'll end up seeing who I have in the number six spot when we get there. Number five, I feel like this is a highly debatable spot. It is not a pitcher. It's a position player. It's not a catcher. He doesn't play in the infield. He plays in the outfield. He's over in the National League. With the reigning, or not this past season, but two seasons ago, of the Washington Nationals, I have Juan Soto at the number five spot. I think that it's, I think that this is highly controversial, Perry. I think that, but I think you can't take away from him because obviously he had the COVID concerns this past season with getting, with getting, coming down with the virus and having to miss an extended period of time with that. He ended up getting hurt as well, I believe. And then when he came back, he was on a tear. And it was incredible. He was hitting well above 300. He got to the double-digit home run mark, it seemed, within a blink of an eye. This guy is young, he's elite, and he has a bright, bright, bright future ahead. As a young guy, he was able to lead this team alongside with, obviously, great pitching in Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, as well as Anthony Rendon. He was able to lead that Washington Nationals team over the mighty Los Angeles Dodgers and then won the World Series. So I think that... I think that it's definitely, I think that Juan Soto, I feel like this is a little bit, I feel like it's a little bit out on, out on a limb, but I'm willing to go out on a limb, and I'm going to put Juan Soto at my number five spot. Yeah, Juan Soto is definitely my top ten. Um, I don't have him on my list. Um, I have him close to it. I would put him around seven or eight. I think that him and Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves are kind of, very similar players in how you rank them. They're both young, and they're both going to be faces of this league for years to come. Um, once, you know, Mike Trout hits the decline, if he ever does, um, they're going to be right there along with uh, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and Christian Yelich. And then at number six, um, this is a guy that also could be seen as a little controversial, as your last pick was. But I have um, the former Cleveland Indians shortstop, Francisco Lindor. Um, he's a great shortstop. He's probably he's the best in the league. He can hit. He can run. He's fast. He's he's great on the defensive end. You know, there's other shortstops like Carlos Correa and Dralton Simmons. Correa's good, but he he's really taken a downturn since you know they stole signs in 2017. And Simmons isn't that great of a hitter. He's a much better defensive player. But Lindor is a perfect mix of both. He can hit for power, he can, you know, hit for um, batting average, and he can run, he can play defense. And 
Honestly, he was probably the best player on that Indians team. Some people think it's Jose Ramirez, but I thought it was Lindor, and I'm sticking to Lindor, one of the most fun players to watch in baseball today. Perry, that's an interesting pick. I like how we both went out on a limb on that, and it's definitely interesting. I think that Francisco Lindor to the New York Mets, that's a big-time move that that Mets team is making as they obviously think that they have what it takes with a couple more moves possibly in the up ahead for them, that team can quickly become an, a contender in the NL. So I like that pick of Francisco Lindor. He's definitely a fun, fun to watch player. He's a leader, and I like him there. And I think that right now I'm quickly going to mention a couple honorable mentions before we get I get to my sixth spot because my sixth spot, as you mentioned earlier, Garrett Cole. That's my sixth guy. But I think this was a tough, tough decision for me. I and I think that this is going out to. I know that the New York Yankees have a huge fan base. And here in the U.S., and I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna give them I'm gonna give it to them today. I'm gonna say, yeah, Garrett Cole, you're the sixth best player in baseball right now. A, a couple other great pitchers are in the league are Jacob Degrom of the other New York team, the Mets, Max Scherzer of the Nationals, Chris Sale when he's healthy, of the Boston Red Sox. You know, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. This it's a very pitcher heavy league. But I think that above all those players is the New York Yankees pitcher, Garrett Cole. All right, Perry. I think this was a great discussion. And now we're moving on to our next segment that we like to call This Day in History. Perry, take it away. History. So on this date, one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time was played. It was the Giants versus the Bills in Super Bowl 25. It was 1991. Um, 30 years ago, it was the 1990 season, and Scott Norwood, the Bills' place kicker, went ride right and missed a 47-yard field goal to win the game. Um, this was his longest attempt on grass in his career, and he missed it. Um, honestly, you know, people think of this as one of the greatest, you know, moments where somebody just couldn't live up to the hype in the biggest moments in the biggest game. Um, Farrells, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, this was crazy, Perry. Yeah, my mom was a my mom was a New York Giants fan. She, my mom grew up just outside New York City and was really rooting for the Giants in this game and was pumped when that field goal was just wide right, giving the New York Giants that Super Bowl. All right, that wraps up our This Day in History. Thanks for sharing, Perry. And we are heading straight into what I think right now is the decisive or the non-debatable favorite segment of ours, Draft Day. Really looking forward to this one. It should be good. Today, coming right at you guys, we are drafting the best basketball jersey numbers of all time. So we're talking any player who has worn their worn this jersey number, and we're drafting which jersey number has had the best basketball players of all time in the NBA wear that specific number. Um, just a couple updates um, just prior to this episode, Perry and I flipped a coin, and I went heads, and once again, for back-to-back -back weeks, pulled it out, so I do have the first pick of this draft, and we're talking, oh, another thing, so you know how, for example, Kobe Bryant, wore, who tragically passed yesterday, one, on, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of his death, so prayers to the Bryant family, and prayers up to Kobe and Gigi. And we've been thinking of them. Best of wishes there to the Bryant family. Sending our prayers their way. 
And so today, so for example, while we're talking about Kobe Bryant and his career with the LA Lakers, obviously he wore both number eight at the beginning and then transferred to 24. So for example, I could take, I could take number eight, but that that number only applies to what Kobe did while wearing that Jersey number. And then, and then Perry could go and take 24 and he only has Kobe while wearing that number. All right. So we're getting right into this draft and so I have the first pick, and with this pick of the NBA jersey numbers draft, I am taking what I think is the hands-down pick that you got to go, number 23. Taking it off the list, right, number one, I mean the two number one players, the, the two best NBA players of all time, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, both wore this number. It's a no-brainer for me. It has to be the number one number jersey number taken off the board, and it was a super easy decision. I was pumped when... The coin flip had went my way because I knew immediately that was my pick. So yes, I'm taking jersey number 23. Perry. So now, oh, also this is a snake draft. So now we're heading Perry's way. Perry, you have the second and third picks of this draft. Who are you going with? So because I can't win a coin toss, I've lost out on Michael Jordan back to back weeks. But this is a pretty easy decision for me. Um, another one of the great numbers in NBA history, number 33. Um, Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Patrick Ewing. Um, this was also a pretty easy one for me. Um, Larry Bird, one of the greatest shooters, one of the greatest Celtics ever. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was fantastic in his career. And then moving on to the third overall pick, this one was kind of a toss-up for me. Um, but I think at the end of the day. I'm going to have to go with number 32. So Kevin McHale, Magic Johnson, Carl Malone, Blake Griffin when he was awesome with the Lob, Sli- Lob City Cl- Clippers, um, wore number 32. Six all-time greats, Hall of Famers across the board, greatest point of all-time in Magic Johnson, and arguably the greatest power forward of all-time in Carl Malone. So this was another pretty easy one for me, but I'm going to turn it over to you, James, for the fourth overall pick. All right, two great picks right there, Perry. Though the three numbers that have been selected thus far in the draft were my top three picks, and were hands down at the top of my list. So, good on you for taking thirty-three and thirty-two. All right, so you've had thirty-two and thirty-three, and I think that we're I'm going to continue going in numerical order right now and take number thirty-four. I'm this number thirty-four. Shaquille O'Neal with the LA Lakers. He had a ton of numbers, but obviously his best time was with the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'm going to take number 34 for when he wore it there, when he was a beast, arguably the most dominant player to ever play the sport. So along with Hakeem, uh, excuse me, Hakeem Olajuwon, the he was incredible. Hakeem the Dream. He, he was great offensively, phenomenal defensively, one of the greatest defensive presence in NBA history phenomenal shot blocker gets the job done he has he was great with his dream shake he was he has everything you could ask for in a basketball player great leadership also number 34 you had Charles Barkley obviously he's a big time presence over at on TNT with also Shaquille O'Neal so you have the double number 34s pairing it up over there uh Paul Pierce the great Celtic who won a championship over there with KG and along and also Ray Allen, number 34. So all, all of those guys wore the number 34, and that's going to be my fourth pick. All right. 
So now I go again. Oh, not to forgot to mention this earlier. Perry and I have eight picks. Last week we took six in the mic draft. Today we're taking eight. All right. So this is a tough pick, actually. I have a couple numbers I can take here. And I believe that I'm going to have to take... Hmm. I have a couple numbers to toss up here. But I think that I'm going to have to take... Number jersey number 21. Jersey number 21 consisted of players with Tim Duncan, the, the greatest power forward to ever play the game, and then arguably the second greatest power forward, one of the greatest defenders of all time, Kevin Garnett, wore that jersey number. Dominique Wilkins, Vlade Divac, all these great players wore the number 21, which makes my decision. Uh, I feel pretty confident with that, taking number 21 with the fifth pick in the draft. All right, hand your way, Perry, for picks number six and seven. Go for it. Yeah, 21 was a great pick. Um, that was actually my next pick, but I'm going to go a little guard heavy here. So first up, I'm going to take um, the number three, CP3, um, Chris Paul, now with the Phoenix Suns, but Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, um, Dennis Johnson, Ben Wallace, just a great list of players. Combined All-Star games with 30 and the combined championships with five. So these guys are winners both individually and in the team fashion. So I'm pretty happy with my decision to go with number three. And now moving on to the seventh overall pick, I'm going to take another guard-heavy number. I'm going to take number one, Oscar Robertson. Derrick Rose when he won the MVP in Chicago. Penny Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, um, Chauncey Billups, and somebody that might, people might forget was Amare Stumier when he was fantastic. Combined All-Star Games 44, so actually more than number three, and combined championships three. So I'm pretty happy to get number one. I went, you know, a little, uh, some big men early on, but now I'm finishing up with the guards. Man, oh man, Perry, two really good picks of the next two on my board on the draft board, and it hurts to see those two go. I was hoping one of them would be able to slide, but that's obviously not the case. So, But you know what? I'm still happy with the number 23, 34, and 21 that I have thus far, and I think that I'm going to try and continue my case for winning this, potentially winning this draft. Alrighty. I'm looking here. I think that with the eighth pick in the draft, I'm going to have to take the number six. Number six worn by... Boston Celtics great Bill Russell, the big man with more championship wins than more championship rings than fingers on his hands. How about that? What a stat! That's incredible. And then along with Bill Russell, Julius Irving wore the number six, as well as Neil Johnson. So I'm pretty happy with taking the number six there. Uh, I'm, Julius Irving obviously is an electrifying small forward can dunk like nobody's business he could shoot the ball he could score the ball at a high level for that Philadelphia 76ers team when he wore the number six all right with the number nine pick and my fifth pick out of the eight that I of the eight selections I can make in this draft I am going to take I'm going to take the number 13 Perry with the number 13 that comes with the Los Angeles Lakers center the great Wilt Chamberlain He's obviously famous for his scoring ability when he scored 100 points in a single game. How about that? Along with number 13, you have Steve Nash as well as Mark Jackson, who you can hear over on ESPN 
as an NBA commentator. Those are my two picks. Perry, heading right on back over to you. Let's keep it going. Yeah, I was hoping um, Six would kind of slip through the cracks there um, to no avail. But there's a couple other picks that I can go with here. And there's a couple numbers. One has a legend there. But the number that I'm going to pick here is the number 12. So John Stockton wore number 12. Dwight Howard in Orlando wore number 12. No matter what you think of um, Dwight Howard, he is still uh, going to be a Hall of Famer when his career is all set and done. So number 12 is kind of another one that's easily forgotten that I'm happy to get. And then finishing that up, I'm following that up, excuse me, I'm going to go with the number two. Number two was worn by Moses Malone with the Atlanta Hawks, Jason Kidd with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Kawhi has worn it throughout his career. He's a two-time finals MVP. And Kyrie Irving wore it with the Cleveland Cavaliers when he hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. So I'm pretty happy to get number two. Um, I think that this is a good spot for it a little bit later with not all-time greats but pretty solid players. So I'm going to send it over to you, James, now. All right, good pick there with number 12. Number two, I like that pick as well. I actually didn't even have it on my draft board, so I feel like that's definitely a steal, and I'm th I think that you had a pretty solid pick there. All right, with my next pick, I think that I'm going to have to... I think I'm going to have to... All right, I'm going to take the number 22 which was worn by Clyde Drexler, Elgin Baylor, the great Los Angeles Laker, Larry Nance, obviously you know his son for the Cle playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers on that center-heavy team, Larry Nance Jr., and Dave DeBoustier. So I'm going to take number 22 with that one for my first pick on the end of my back-to-back -back picks. And then with the next pick I'm going to take, hmm, this is tough. This is no, this is nowhere near a no-brainer, but I believe that I'm going to have to take the number 24, Perry. I think that it's really big that I get Kobe Bryant there. I think that slid more than I was anticipating, and I'm really happy that I get Kobe there, hit, being hit, the second number he wore with those with the Los Angeles Lakers. The yeah, the late Kobe Bryant was an amazing basketball player, true leader on and off the court. He's an inspiration for all, so I have that. And along with that, I feel like. The other players on that, with number 24, that jersey number, are pretty underrated in Sam Jones. The, you have the double Jones with Sam Jones and Bobby Jones, as well as Rick Barry. So I'm really happy with that pick, and I think that's adding to my solid jersey numbers picks. All right, Perry, you go back-to-back to, back to wrap up your draft picks, and then I go for the final pick of the draft, and then we wrap it up. Heading your way. Yeah, 24 was a great pick. Um... I did want Kobe Bryant on my team, but I'm going to find another way to get him. I'm going to pick the number eight. So Kobe Bryant wore this when he won those three championships with Shaquille O'Neal. Kemba Walker um, is wearing it currently. Um, Dwight Howard wore it with one season with the Hawks. So all in all, number eight is a pretty solid number with Antoine Walker also um, wearing number eight. So I'm pretty happy to get number eight here towards the back end of the draft. And the last number that I have 
is number 44. Mr. Jerry West, the logo of the NBA, wore it. And then, you know, he was, Danny Ainge also had it. Um, Derek Coleman, just Christian Latner wore it in Duke. Not that we're playing um, college basketball, but Pete Marvich had it for the first half of his career. So number 44, another great pick to get. But James, I'm going to send it over to you for the last pick of this draft. All right, nice pick there, Perry. Definitely a good selection at the number 44 jersey number. All right, now at the final pick of the jer- basketball best basketball jersey numbers draft here on draft day today. I have to go over my options real quick. Kind of scan through, get a good feel for who I could take or who I'm going to pass on. This is a tough decision, but I think think that at the end of the day I'm going to have to take so I'm just going to say this some the choices I'm going up between because obviously Perry can't draft again are the number seven with Pete Maravich Kevin Johnson Lamar Odom I can take 20 with Gary Payton Manu Ginobili and Alan Houston I can take nine with Tony Parker Bob Petit and Dave Maherle 41 with Dirk Wes Unsell and Glenn Rice that's a good pick 17 with John Havlicek, Chris Mullen, ooh. You know what? I'm going to add Dirk, Wes Unseld, and Glenn Rice to the team, and I'm going to take the number 41 with the final pick of this draft, Perry. I feel pretty happy with that. Add a top 10 player, or yeah, probably a top 10 player in my opinion of all time in the NBA. Led that incredible Dallas Mavericks team to the championship and upset LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. From Miami in that great NBA Finals with J.J. Barea, Jason Kidd, that strong Dallas Mavericks team. And I'm really happy with that alongside Wes Unseld, obviously, who was great, as well as Glenn Rice. So that wraps up our draft. I can just quickly go over. So, Perry, right now, how do you feel about your team? You know, um, just to go back um, to your pick really quick, when you were listing off your honorable mentions, I was like, okay, okay. And then I saw Dirk, and I was like, if he doesn't take him... I don't know who he's going to take, and he took Dirk, so I thought that was the right pick. Um, I mean, you have the two best players in the game, right? You have uh, Cleveland, Angeles, LeBron, and you have Miami LeBron, actually. So you have all the LeBrons, and you have um, Michael Jordan, the greatest player in NBA history. But, you know, I've got a pretty solid team. I've got Larry Bird. I've got Kareem. Um two top 10 players in their own right. And, you know, I've got some studs at the guard position. I've got Kyrie. I've got Chris Paul. I've got Jason Kidd. I've got AI. I've got Wade. Um, I also have Penny Hardaway and Tracy McGrady. But just looking at these two teams right off the bat, I mean, they're pretty even. If you listeners want to let us know, you know you can always let us know on Instagram, Twitter, or email us but James what's your opinion here yeah so I'm pretty happy with my selections obviously number 23 no-brainer right off the bat with LeBron and Michael Jordan I actually completely forgot about LeBron being number six in Miami and you brought that to my memory when you mentioned that so I feel like the number six pick there was a big time steal at the eighth pick with Bill Russell Julius Serving, Neil Johnson and which I just remember LeBron the Miami mode LeBron which is obviously a force to be reckoned with 
I mean, yeah, so I'm happy with the top two plays at 23, 34. I kind of envisioned 33 and 32 going two and three. So I was kind of getting set to pick 34 at the fourth spot and ended up being the case where I took Shaq, Hakeem, Charles Barkley, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. So I feel like of the numbers, that's one of the most diverse or the most, the strongest with many players, aside from probably 33 with Kareem, Larry, Patrick Ewing, Scotty Pippen, Alonzo Mourne, and Grant Hill, all those guys that you took with your second pick. But, um, yeah, so I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, yeah, I got some bit good power forwards. I have the three top power forwards in the game, and Dunk, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and Dirk Nowitzki, thanks to my number number 21 with Duncan and KG, and my last pick, 41, with Dirk. And, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with that. Number 24, I'm happy I got Kobe there, and that was also my dad's number when he played basketball. So obviously that made my pick even more so that uh, even stronger reason to pick number 24 because he was awesome with that number. My dad was. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with my picks and I think that you had some good picks. So yeah, let us know. I think that we're going to add another edition on our website. If you guys check it out, that's from ballparks to buzzerbeaters.com. We'll have some, we'll have a way, a poll for you guys to vote and say, Hey, every Wednesday you'll be able to vote and say, Hey, who had the best team? Perry or James? We'll list who's on each, the numbers or the names or so on and so forth. That kind of a situation. We'll be able to list that for you guys to vote for you listeners. And, yeah, that just about wraps up draft day. Just to kind of go through it for one last time. Perry took number 33, number 32, number 13, number 1, number 12, number 2, number 8, and number 44. And Meanwhile, I took number 23, number 34, number 21, number 6, number 13, number 22, number 24, and lastly, number 41. So that wraps up our talks for draft day. Thanks for joining us with that. And now, as we move on, we're going on to our next segment. Perry, you want to take it away for us here? Yeah, so um, um, I understand that you're going to ask me a trivia question here, but if you guys ever have a trivia question or anything, any segments that you guys want us to talk about, you know, as James said, you can email us or, you know, DM us on Instagram or Twitter. But, James, what is the trivia question that you have for me? Yeah, all right, Perry. So right now, so far, I got the first question you gave me. You got the first question I gave you. And then we moved on, and I came up short with the 50-40-90 club question that you gave me. And this question, Perry, I'm leaving no prisoners here. This is a tough question, I got to tell you. And I feel like you're in for one here, but I think it's definitely a good question that I came up with here. You ready for it? Yeah, yeah, let's go. All right, so ready? Listen to this one. Oh, so obviously we know that the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees kind of going on from the MLB segment that we had earlier today. Obviously we know that both the Boston Red Sox fans and the New York Yankees fans have some of the most incredible fans in the world. Obviously you and I being big-time Red Sox fans. I know that one of our listeners, Nicholas Scarano, he's a big-time New York Yankees fan, as well as Julian, that whole Scarano family. So, I mean, it's gonna it's a little clash right here. But so right now, of the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, obviously it's a historic rivalry, right? So I'm asking you, of those two teams combined in their histories, who are the top three home run leaders of the two teams combined? So if you total up all the home runs, of their careers, of all the players who ever played for the Red Sox and ever played for the Yankees, can you name the top three? You gave me five picks, so you can you can suffer two incorrect answers. Or actually, you know what? I'll give you six picks. You can you have room for three incorrect answers, so you basically have to go 50% here. 
But of the six guesses you have, you have got to take the three. Go for it. This is only in their Red Sox and Yankees career, right? This is not like their entire career span? I believe that the three players on this list only played for... Well, actually, I can't give you any hints, but it's their entire career. Okay, okay. So number one um, has to be Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth has to be on that list. Yes, Babe Ruth is number one with a historic 659 home runs. He is a number one. Yes, keep going. So now you have to go two for five here. Let's see if you can pull it out. All right. So there's been great players, as you said, up and down the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Um, but I do have to say that I think that one of the greatest to ever do it, um, Willie Mays is on that list as well. Perry, Willie Mays is not on that list. Oh, okay. So you've got to go 50%. Now you're back to that 50% mark. You can only afford two incorrect answers while you have to get two correct. I'll go two for four. Here we go. And I'll say the number one was Babe Ruth. So now the next two picks are the second and third most from the two teams combined for home run totals on their careers. Yeah, so there's there's a couple people that you can bring up here. You can bring up Mickey Mantle, um, David Ortiz, A-Rod. Um, but I think that I'm going to have to go... I think David Ortiz is probably on that list. I think he has upwards of 500 home runs. So if Babe Ruth, you said, has um, 659, I'm expecting David Ortiz to be somewhere up there as well. Perry, unfortunately for your case, Perry er, David Ortiz is not on this list. I believe he is just shy. He, uh, he is just shy. He, I think he finished at around maybe 486, if I'm correct. Don't quote me on that one, though. I'll check that out later, but... um. He is not on this list. So now you can only suffer one incorrect answer. You have to get the of your next guesses. You have three guesses left, and you, of those three, two of them have to be correct for the number two and number three spot for the most home runs of the Red Sox and Yankees dynasties combined. All right. Um, I, I thought he would be up there. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I thought that his name would at least be in the top three. So that one's a little surprising for me. Um, but there's greats up and down the board here. Hey, Perry. Great. Yes. Hey, Perry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there is, as a matter of fact, there was a miscalculation on my behalf. And according, some we have to trust some sources, you have to trust some, and you can't trust some others. And unfortunately, this is a learning curve for me, as I trusted one of these sources that proved to be incorrect. David Ortiz is, in fact, on that list. He is on. He is the number two. I apologize for this. That pick is correct. So now you just have to go one for three. David Ortiz is the number two spot on that list. All right? That negates the last pick, and that, that name is no longer on the list. David Ortiz, in oh. fact, had 541 homers on his career. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so... I feel like this last one is probably going to be a Yankee, um, the Evil Empire. Derek Jeter has to be close, but I don't remember him hitting that many home runs. Um, Mickey Mantle, as I said before, could be up there. Um, 
I have two wrong answers, so I think my first guess, I'm going to guess, is Derek Jeter. Perry, Derek Jeter is not on this list. Good guess. Now you have two guesses left, one of which has to have the correct name. He's a number two. He's a number three of the three. It goes Babe Ruth, 659, David Ortiz, 541, and then the third. Yeah, Derek Jeter not being on the list um, doesn't surprise me um, that much. But I think as much as I dislike him as a player, I think that um, A-Rod has to be on that list. Perry, we are coming down to the wire. You're on the brink of elimination as Alex Rodriguez is not on this list. Here uh-huh. we go. I know. So now you have one and two correct coming down to the final pick. This is it. This is it, right? So we have Babe Ruth, one of the greatest of all time. David Ortiz, one of the greatest of all time. And now you've got to get that number three guy. This is it. Who do you take? Um... You know, I really thought um, Aaron might be up there. That one kind of surprises me because I believe that he hit at least 450. Um, So it has to be somebody higher with 450 home runs. And I think that that person is going to be Mickey Mantle. That sums it up, folks. Perry no- Perry brings knocks it out of the park there as he takes home the victory. It goes Babe Ruth, David Ortiz, and Mickey Mantle. Great job, Perry. You have successfully conquered me for this trivia question. Congratulations, everyone. Qu- give up a quick round of applause for. And that just about sums up our episode today with the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beer Sportscast. Thank you to everybody who joined us today. Check out our social media as we have mentioned in the past to get up-to-date highlights every single day about our new and upcoming podcasts and that just about sums it up for today i'm james farley signing out alongside my co-host perry martinos have a nice night everybody